Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So thank you so much, because that flows right into last week we were talking about in this series uh, that we're in called Ship Shape, how God shaped us for uh, relationship, lordship, discipleship stewardship last week, uh, fellowship, and that flows right into it because we talked about how God has created you and I to be stewards, and that is a powerful statement, Shay, if you haven't already uh, written it down, write it down. Um, I am God's bank. He is not mine. I have never heard that before, so I don't know if that's a Shirlism or not, but that is a powerful statement. Like, I am God's bank. He is not mine. And when he gets ready to shift something through, God's just a big old money launderer. He just launders it right through us, doesn't he? So anyway, religious people, calm down. I didn't mean to. uh, All right. So today we're going to talk about this, that God shaped me for worship. He shaped you for worship. Isn't it amazing that how you've seen what's been going on in the house today, that this is what we're talking about? You would have thought that that little time of worship that we came up with because we're teaching on this today. Hey guys, let's, 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 like, let's have some elongated worship, you know, let's, but it's like, I love how God just puts things together and puts his puts his kiss on it, his stamp of approval. And worship is, it's not an event. It's a way of life. And worship is not the 30 minutes on Sunday morning that you do or driving down the road when you put your favorite CD on or, or whatever. It's, it's really a lifestyle. Worship is so much bigger than music, and so many people don't get that. Worship is giving. What you did, you were worshiping the Lord, Cheryl, when you, uh, when you gave that, that money. Worship is what's happening all around this building uh, with people and their talents. Stephen leading, Shay and Quentin leading us in work. That's a, that's, a, uh, that's a form of worship. Our media team in the back, that's a form of worship. Our security and children's and people out in the parking lot this morning. All of that is a form of worship. And the Lord spoke to me uh, uh, last year, and he said, it's time to redig some wells. And one of the wells that he uh, placed on my heart is we have to redig the well of worship. Um, you know, worship has always been dear to my heart. I love it. Uh, you know, I could get lost in worship for a couple of hours. I know that's overkill for a lot of people, but you know, I could just, man, if the worship is like, you know, just anointed, I could be in that all day long. But, you know, 
when we look at worship, and I, I'm not trying to be judgmental, and uh, you know, I, I know that we get in our in our minds like, oh, you know, that church I've been to, and this church I've been to, and the church I grew up in, and so you get these ideas of worship, and uh, it's not a judgmental thing. So some of the things that I would say may evoke a memory of a specific church that you were in, and please, I'm not doing that, and uh, you know, just because it evokes that, you know, we're, we're not critical of that it it just may be a thing but i'm talking in a general sense in a non-condemning just observatory way that what has happened in the church world is we took we've gotten so many things off uh base and out of alignment with god's original intention for what this gathering was supposed to look like don't worry it wasn't the millennials that you know that messed the church up. It wasn't them, <laughs> you know. It wasn't necessarily the boomers or whatever age category people are, are in. It really started, you know, decades and decades ago. Uh, I, I, the first that I started uh, kind of recognizing it, I wasn't, I was just a kid and I wasn't even saved. But I know how the movement started. And so we shifted from this gathering be a t- being a time where God is the audience to you became the audience. And now, you know, in an audience, the audience is who you're targeting. The audience is who what is happening up front. You know, you don't go to a movie theater to see a movie you don't want. You go to a movie theater because what you're seeing up on the screen, you know, floats your boat. It really, you know, it, it, it's what you like. You don't go to a concert to hear somebody you hate. You go to a concert to, you don't, you don't go to, you know, the enemy's camp to, uh, you know, to watch a football game. You go to your own camp. You know, you, you, don't, you don't go to Auburn. No, I'm just joking. You, you know. <laughs> Hey, y'all know I ain't got uh, no skin in the fight because I am not a sports uh, person. But, but you, don't, you don't go to the team that you don't enjoy. You go to the one that you do enjoy. And so, you know, in the 70s, there became that movement that shifted everything to a seeker-sensitive movement. And so if, if the audience then becomes the focal point for this gathering, then everything that we do up here becomes about you and not him. And so we begin to try to reach out. And Jesus never said, he never sent the the disciples in. He sent them out. The people that came into the temple were believers. The people that came into the temple already had relationship with the Lord even some of them religiously. But he sent us out. So out there, out those doors is where our real work is done for the kingdom. And so, you know, when we look at making this environment to where, like, we got to, you know, pick the songs that, pe- that the people like, you know. We got we to gotta make all of this up here a show so that, you know, it entertains the people. And we've polluted the well of worship. Now, if you look at wells in the scripture, and in Genesis chapter 26, um, you don't have to go there, but I'll just briefly tell you. 
In Genesis chapter 26, it's talking about when Abraham died. Well, Abraham, the father of our faith, he went into the land that God had promised him, but there was no water sources. So what did he do? He dug wells because without water, we do not have life-sustaining source. He digs the wells, and those wells are for generations. As a matter of fact, the wells that Abraham dug... He passed on to his children, Isaac and uh, Jacob, then Esau, his grandsons, and all the way down. And when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, hundreds of years later, Jesus is talking to her, and he says, you know, give, uh, give me a drink. She's like, sir, I, should I give you a drink from this well? You know, I'm a woman, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. You know, and he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask, be asking me to give you a drink. And she's like, uh, give you a drink? You don't even have a ladle or a bucket or anything to draw the water, and this well is deep. And he said, no, I'm talking about a living water. And she's like, is, it, is, is, are you any better? Like, what water source are you drawing from? Is it any better than this well that Jacob, our ancestor, gave to us? So you see, wells are made to feed generations. Worship, the well of worship, is something that we've got to pass on to our children and our children's children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's grandchildren. You know, it, it goes on and on. And so... It's talking about the wells that Abraham dug in Genesis chapter 26. And it says that Isaac redug the well. In other words, why is he having to redig the well? Well, he's having to redig the well because after Abraham's death, the Philistines, the enemy, moved in and they filled up the well. Why did they do that? so that they could drive out God's people. And many times when they were uh, uh, trying to sabotage a well, they would do it for a number, uh, with a number of means. One, they would just fill it up with dirt. They would just fill the whole thing back up with dirt. And so Jacob would have to, uh, sorry, uh, Isaac would have to go and redig that well. Sometimes they would just pull a dead animal over in there and drop it in. And so it becomes uh, uh, rank and septic and, you know, it's not fit to drink. Sometimes they would do that. They would poison the well so that not only would you get sick, but you would also die. And so there were several ways that they would sabotage these wells. Well, I'm telling you what. There are, are people in other countries today, they will drink water that they know will make them sick, but they will still live. And that is acceptable. Stick with me for a second. They will drink from a polluted water source. Why would they do that? Because they know it will make them sick. It will make them sick, but it won't kill them. In other words, I'm still going to live, but I'm just going to be sick a little bit. I'm going to re hopefully recover from this. There are too many people living that way spiritually. That the, the enemy has polluted the well, but I'll drink from this pollution, even though it's going to make me sick, but I'm not going to die. And I'm just here to tell you that God has not called us to drink from a polluted source. He's calling for us to drink from a cool, 
cool, fresh water because he says by that stream, by that river that's flowing through the room, if you get where I'm going, that's the stream where we are planted like a tree that our roots go deep. And the scripture says that it produces fruit. In other words, it prospers in every season. That's why people who are connected in COVID, they prospered. While they were out of a job and laid off, they prospered. Some investment somewhere, um, made money or, or whatever. But you get the point that I'm, I'm trying to make. So when it comes to the well of worship, people have prostituted uh, worship they have sold out for culture. They've sold out for packed arena. Oh, Jesus, man. I'm just telling you, I could get off on some preaching right here. They have sold for packed out arenas. And you know what? I'm not saying that the Lord calls COVID because the Lord does not send sickness uh, on this side of the cross. He did that on the other side of the cross. But he doesn't do it on this side of the cross. Because Christ removed all curse and sickness. But God. Watch God. Don't make a mockery of God. While we created uh, this, this monster of what we call church. And, and, and it's like, you know, we're going to time everything down to the second. And it's like, man, I got to get to the restaurant. You know, I, I got things to do. And it's like, you know, we time everything down. I was talking to someone uh, at, a, at a large church in Atlanta. And they were telling me that their, that their worship is 14 minutes every Sunday. And I'm like, how is that possible? Like, how do y'all do that? It's like 14 minutes on the dot every Sunday possible? This is how they do that. They play to a track in their head. The, the songs are X number of minutes. If, if this song is 30, uh, 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 3 minutes and 29 seconds and the next song is seven, seconds, 7 minutes and 18 seconds, they get that thing nailed down. And I'm like, I, I can never work that way. Like, this vehicle right here has mud grips on it. Like, it's made for off-road. And I know people on my staff a lot of times. I know, I know the musicians a lot of times. Like, it drives them crazy sometimes. But you just know, when I'm, get, when I'm driving, we're going into the mud. We're going off the road. We're going wherever Holy Spirit is, is leading. That's just kind of where we are. And... Uh, and, 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 you know, you got to forget the track. you got, you got to forget get that kind of stuff. Because this gathering is not for me and you. It's for him. It's all for him. And it's like, you know, I, honestly, I don't care what you think when it comes to the way I preach or what happened in the music today. What I do care about is I, I care about what God thinks. You know? Uh, I've had people to, to tell me, uh, you know, Pastor, do you ever have anybody critique your sermons? And I'm like, yeah, Jesus critiques them every week. And I'm like, well, you, have you ever considered asking for people's opinion on your message? No, I don't care. Because you probably, I'd feel terrible because you're probably going to tell me all the things that are wrong. I'm smart. I already know all the things that are wrong. I'm my biggest critic. You know what I'm saying? And I also never said that I was a great preacher. 
Never, never. But what I do is I get up and just share from my heart what the Lord has spoken to me and what I've heard him speaking to me through the months and weeks prior to the time I'm up here. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, like, I cannot imagine the Apostle Paul sitting down with somebody and say, you know, can you critique me on uh, this time? Uh, was it Eutychus? The guy that fell out of the window because Paul preached past midnight? It's like, you know, everything was going great, Apostle. But that whole Eutychus thing kind of pushed you over to the D minus, you know. Like, we're going to have to give you a D minus because you did kill somebody. But, you know, oh, let's make that a B minus because you did pray for him and raise him from the dead, you know. You know? No, man, people just that are anointed, they just preach the, what God has placed in your heart. That's, you know, and, and that's not to say that, you know, there's not room for growth. Because we're lifelong learners. I'm learning every Sunday when I get up here. Just like you're learning every week when you're practicing your faith. And so when we look at this in redigging the well, the scripture says this in Genesis chapter 26. It says that he redug, Isaac redug the wells that the enemy went in and filled in. And he filled it in after Abraham died. And then somewhere over in Judges, it talks about there arose a generation who knew not God or his mighty works. So somewhere between Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that whole bunch that, that uh, founded basically the, uh, the faith, between that and over in Judges, they had forgotten the ways of God and his moving. But somewhere, somebody went and found the word of God in the temple that had been lost for like 400 years. They found it, brought it out, and they're like, let's start living by this again. What happened? They redug the well. For us, it's time for us to redig the well and put it uh, of worship and put it at its uh, place of priority for us. You know what we did today? That was part of redigging a well. That was part of it. We were redigging a well, making it a place of priority. So it's a way of life for us. Look, worship is just simply an expression of reverence or adoration for something or someone. He worships the ground that she walks on. Oh, don't touch, don't touch his red Camaro. He worships that thing. You, oh, they worship the ground that that little guy walks on. You, you see what I'm saying? Worship. People worship other things besides God. People worship false gods, little g. Um, so this worship, us expressing our reverence and adoration towards God. I want you to look in Amos chapter 4, or sorry, 5, and I want to read here about five verses, and Amos is prophesying to the people, uh, uh, what God said. And so this is what the Lord says to Amos to share to his people. Verse 21, God says, I hate, not I dislike, not I would prefer not. He hates your show of pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. 
I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice your very best peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your hearts. Instead, this is what God wants. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice. An endless river of righteous living. What God is basically saying, what I really want is worship. You know what God loves best about his people? Is when they operate the way he created us. When we operate, that's called righteous living. You're living the right way. According to whom? According to God. And when we live the right way, righteous living, that is the way to truly bless him. Worship is a way of life for us. I want you to look at this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Paul says to the Romans, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. In other words, like, this is not like, hey guys, would y'all consider, would y'all consider this? We don't have an audio of Paul saying what the Lord, ha- we just read this with whatever tone we can, you know, we think of. But when you use the word plead, what do you think? I'm begging you, plead. You know, <laughs> that's what I think of, like, I'm begging you. And he's saying, he, look, if Paul were here today, he's, he's like, Listen, I'm begging you, please, please, please present your body as a living sacrifice to God. I'm begging you to do that. Let let your body be a holy sacrifice, the kind that God finds acceptable. Look at this now. Give your body to God. What? Your body? Because listen, you can give me your money and that ain't all. You can give me some of your time, but that's not all. When you say, just take it all. Take me, take everything. Just take it all. That is complete, I surrender all. That's complete surrender. And he says this. He says, look. He says, let it be the kind that God finds acceptable. So if there's a kind that God finds acceptable, then there's a kind that he what? Finds unacceptable. No, Jesus loves us all, Pastor. He, <clears throat> he just loves us, and there's nothing in the world that, about us that just displeases him because we're under grace. Well, as far as I know, Romans 12 was written post-cross. So that means that there is a sacrifice that God finds unacceptable. He says that's the true way to worship the Lord. Look at Luke 10. 27, he says, you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. In other words, everything. He's saying, you've got to worship the Lord with everything, all parts of you, not just little compartmentalized. I'm going to give the Lord a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. And, And understand this. Some people are like, if I give God everything, I won't have anything. If you give God everything, you will have everything. Reverse that mindset. If I give God everything, then I'm not going to have anything. No, you'll have everything when you give him everything. So give him everything. Look at this. What does worship look like? What does it look like? Look, verse 23 of John chapter 4 says, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
The Father's looking for people who will worship him that way. In other words, God is looking for people who will give him everything. He's looking for people who will truly worship him in spirit and truth. And look at this. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. There has to be a spirit side, a passion side. Well, I'm just not, I'm just not passionate, Pastor Rife. Go, Bulldogs, go! Everybody's passionate about something. Some people are passionate vocally, and some people are passionate artistically, but there's a, there's a passion. Your passion may not look like my passion, but at the same place, the heart, it's still this craving, this passion. It might exemplify or manifest itself in a different way, but at, at the heart, there is this passion. So there's this spiritual side. There's this supernatural side. Listen, I don't care how much the theology you know. I don't care how much of the word you know. There are people teaching theology in liberal arts colleges that do, are not even saved. Because this is just a history book. Jesus was just another man. They know the truth. They have the truth, but they don't have the spirit. You cannot have one without the other. So he says, worship in spirit and truth. That's what worship looks like. Don't patty cake it, okay? Remember I said, so let's try it again. And remember, you're not clapping for me. You're clapping for the truth, all right? So... Can we worship the wrong things? Obviously, the, the Jesus answer is, yes, pastor, we can worship the wrong things. But I want you to see from Scripture. I want you to look at this. So John, in the book of Revelation, before you read that, John, in the book of Revelation, the angel has just shown him a glimpse of heaven. And it's amazing. It's like a revelation that nobody on earth has had except John. And you and I have it because God gave it to him and he put it in writing. And what happens, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all of these things, which you'll have to go and read it to see what they were. And when I heard them, I fell down at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, don't worship me. John is overwhelmed. He is showing honor and he's, man, he's about to worship this angel. And the angel's like, hey, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Don't worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well. As those who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Like. We might use the word worship. Like I worship. I worship that woman sitting there. She's the love of my life. We might use that as a synonym. But I don't truly mean I worship her like I worship God. The scripture says. Worship God only. Like worship in our relationship with him is reserved for him and him alone. So worshiping the Lord. And I want you to look at this. How can I apply this? How do you and I take what we're learning today here 
and put it in effect in our life out there. Full disclosure, all right? Nothing you are about to see is earth-shattering. It's honestly just common sense. It's some of the most simple things for people to do, yet many times we don't follow through with it. How do I activate the word when it comes to redigging a well of worship? One, determine you're going to be a worshiper. Determine you're going to worship. See, I grew up in the 80s in the church at the height of the praise and worship movement. So if you notice, we just came out of a worship movement. And there's a difference between praise and worship. I don't have time to go into that today, but there's a difference between praise and worship. And it's not just the pace of the song. It's the essence of the songs. In the 80s, we were in a huge praise movement. And it was amazing. I love it. I get in my car today, I shove in my Ron Cannoli uh, CD, or I break it out. My kids make fun of me, but I'm, but I'm like, just, I'm getting my praise on. You know, because we don't sing those songs anymore. Because we just are coming out of, maybe we're still in it, a big worship movement. And everything is, everything's like this. Everything's mellow and soft deep and you know and it's like that's great but we need both of those we need praise and worship to 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 make us balanced but I determined because back in the 80s I would come in and I was ready to get my praise on mm-hmm I'm at church today we look look gonna get it on oh that I hate that song I don't like this song why do they sing that song And so all of a sudden, my enthusiasm would go into depression mode. And I would, I would, my worship depended on the song selection. And there was a song one day our pastor and his family got up to sing. And I honestly hated that song. And I'm on the stage. That's back in the day when we all sat on the stage in these big old throne chairs. And, you know, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't scratch. You couldn't sneeze. You couldn't, unzip, you couldn't zip your pants if you forgot to zip them up because everybody's staring at you. And it's like, oh, God, they're fixing to sing this song. And I didn't agree with it theologically, but uh, it's because I had not matured enough to a place that I understood what they were talking about, which was really blessing. So I misunderstood a song they were singing about blessing. And it didn't hurt that it had some old southern twanginess to it. And, and I'm like, oh, this song, everybody goes berserk over this song. And I hate this song. And I'm on stage. Everybody's looking at me. I'm attending this large church that I'm on staff at. And I'm fixing to have to fake it. I'm just being honest with you. I'm like, I can't be on stage and hating the song and uh, being like the prude over there that's not approving of anything. And I'm like, I'm having a conversation with the Lord. And they're over there singing, I'm going to get me a blessing. I'm going to get me a blessing. And I'm serious. It's about that, that tempo and style. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, are we really going to get us a blessing today? Is that what it's all about? And I'm just not enjoying this. And I'm, I'm literally like, in just a few minutes, people are going to be running around the room going berserk. Because, man, it's like, I'm going to get me a blessing. I'm going to get me a blessing. Get my blessing. Get my blessing. Get my blessing. You know, and it's like, woo, it's exciting. And, and, you know, and you know, like, the music can just get you exciting a little bit. But I'm sitting there going, how am I going to fake this? Like, I, because authenticity, if you know me, you know authenticity. I don't fake it. And I'm sitting there going, I'm having a conversation with the Lord. And I'm like, God, I hate this song. I don't like it. I don't even know if I understand what it means or agree with it and everything. And, and how am I, I, I can't stand on the stage and look like I disapprove. And I'm having this conversation in the middle of that. And the Lord says this to me. He's like, why don't you just worship me because you love me? He's like, don't worship that song. Just why don't you just worship me and lift your hands and worship me because it's the right thing to do. And right there, that day, I made my mind up. I don't care if they're singing, I'm going to get me blessing. Or, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I, I don't care what they're singing. It doesn't matter if I like it. I, we were just at a church the other day, uh, last night. They're singing all the songs in a language I don't know. And so I made my own words up. You know, I, could, I know the tune, but I don't know the words. So I'm just going to make up my own song right here. Because, you know why? Because a long time ago on that stage when God said, why don't you just worship me because it's the right thing to do and I want to hear you. I made my mind up. I will worship if we have a guitarist. I will worship if we ha don't have one. I will worship if we have singers. I will worship if we don't have one. I will worship if we don't have a screen. I will worship if we do have a screen. I'll worship if there are 200 people or 2,000 people or one person and it's just me. I will worship because I've determined it's the right thing to do. I'm going to worship in the good times. I'm going to worship him in the bad times because my because my ancestor, King David, gave us an example that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod and his staff, they will comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, he's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I've just made my mind up. I'm going to worship. But what if, what, I, what if people look at you like you're crazy? They're just going to have to look at me like I'm crazy. I understand that when I'm worshiping in another church, that I get a little vocal and and I'm like oh well they invited me this is what you get when you invite me I'm not trying to be disrespectful but I will not let the rocks cry out or the prudes <laughs> you know rob me of my praise it's it's just gonna come out of me so how can you apply it today today if you will make your mind up Man, I, 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 can't do, I, I can't do that weepy cry stuff. Man, you'll cry if somebody makes a touchdown. You tell me you can't cry for your Lord who died for you and gave himself for you because he loved you so much. Determine that you're going to worship. 
these, I think, two more things and we're going to go. Make worshiping a priority. Make worship a priority in your life. Throughout Scripture, it says, And when they gathered on the first day of the week to break bread and to to have communion. When they gathered on the first day of the week, they brought their gifts. On the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, this is the first day of the week for us. Today is the first day of your week. Make worship a priority in your life. It's not about what day, it's about putting it first. And then there's this. Remove the debris from your well of worship regularly. Because can I tell you, the enemy hates you. He doesn't just dislike you or you get on his nerves a little bit. He hates you. And his job is to poison your well. Uh, There are lots of wells. The well of your marriage, well of matrimony, the well of relationship, the well of uh, communication, the well of finances, the well of prayer, the well of... uh, There's so many of them. We're talking about the well of worship today. Remove the debris. There might be some things that you're watching that it's like... Think about getting rid of that. There might be some things you're listening to. I... I'm not being judgmental in a condemning way, but I am being judgmental in a observing and lining up with God's word. Because remember, our declaration is, I will constantly guard my heart and align it with, not what Rife says, what it, it is with what I say, if then I'm in alignment with this. But there are some songs, man, that people listen to and I'm like, yeah, you, I don't think you need to delete that from your playlist because but I, I, just, I just like to be, I like to be, you know, it's, I don't even listen to the words. Can I tell you what? You can tell that lie to yourself if you want to, but your spirit hears those words. Your soul hears those words and it becomes part of who you are and what you do you open yourself up to conflicting principles of darkness and righteousness and they are at war with you so think about like god is there any debris in my life is there any hurt is there any bitterness is there anything that i'm actively participating in that would affect my worship because guess what it's going to happen there's not a person in this room that is a strong worshiper that would tell you hey when you get to this point in your worship life it's a breeze you'll never have a problem with worship again (laughs) that doesn't happen there are highs and lows King David, highs and lows. Paul, highs and lows. Peter, highs and lows. Throughout Scripture, you are going to have highs. You are going to have lows. You're going uh, to have times when you are distant. I remember there was a time that I was so dry in my relationship with the Lord. And I went into my office. It was my very first ministry position straight out of college. 
And I thought, you know, that church would work me to death. And I mean, you know, I, I was dry spiritually. And I went in my office. And you probably heard me tell this story before. But I'm dead inside. I just feel dry. And I lean uh, up against my wall. And I don't know what to do. And I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm crying out to God. Sounds like David. I cried out to the Lord. And he heard my prayer. And I just. I remember in my office, just up against that cement block wall, just sliding down it like this. And I'm just leaning up against the wall, and I'm just kind of like in this fetal position. And I prayed this simple little prayer that God did not answer. And I said, Lord, if you're there, if you're still there, will you please let me Sense your presence. Let me feel something. And I felt nothing. Nothing. Why did he do that? He never has answered me. Why? And I got up. And I went about my business. Because I have determined. That I will follow him all the days of my life. And that my relationship will not be based on feelings. It will be based on the substance of his love and what he did for me at the cross.